This podcast replay is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Check out the retail store in Miami Gardens at 5150 Northwest 167th Street. Plenty of cigar gear and a relaxing lounge. This is the Perdomo way. All right, there you are. How you doing, my man? Hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I, I did stay through uh, through the game. I think it was my first time since... Uh, since Tebow played. So I don't even remember what 2010 or something like that. I mean, I was there. I remember, dude, every time he practice finished and he was walking off the field, I swear <laughs> to God, you remember it was like a hundred and 150 yeah. reporters surrounding his ass. Yeah, it was, it was a show. Oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah. When I saw your tweet and by the way, um, you, yeah, you got your Twitter there. You can follow Eric there on Twitter and catch his work there at nfl.com but i saw your tweet with the you know the lights now shut down and you take a picture of the field yeah. it was a cool picture by the way it was but you know like seeing it i was like damn dude hardcore you stayed all the way through that well, was strong i stayed through when i had to do the broadcast actually right yes exactly i was I, I thought you had mentioned before that you'd done that yeah i mean if you think that's hardcore wait till nfl combine time when, when you try to call me on uh you know the monday i have combine day and i say hey i'm still in indy so I've been, I've been, be we're going to be there I'll like be there. I didn't days. See you. I didn't see you at the senior bowl, but I'm going to track you down yes. at, at the, uh, at the combine for a drink. I'm hard to miss. Yeah. So I'll be easily okay. spotable. Yeah. 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 So we're going to, we're going to track you down. I got to treat you to a couple of drinks there. You're always so good. I appreciate uh, that on the show, man. I appreciate you as always. I'm looking forward to uh, a little combine action act actually. All right. Before I get into draft stuff, as you know, the uh, Vic Fangio has taken over, and yeah. as you know, uh, new coaches, new scheme, new changes come with it, and some demands. And then on the offensive side, uh, McDaniel wants that tight end that can be a two-way guy. Obviously, Gesicki will be finding another home because he wasn't the kind of guy that he really wants for his offense. On the defensive side, I think some of the things that change – they always needed to upgrade their linebackers as it is, especially that middle linebacker. But in this defense that Fangio's going to put, they need a badass middle linebacker. Yep. And I think Brandon Jones, who was improving his coverage last year, the thing is with Fangio, you have to be exceptional at coverage. Okay. And the other guy's already exceptional at coverage. So I think they might go for a cover safety also. So let's talk about a couple of those positions, including running back tight end, safety, linebacker. Talk to me. Let's start with safety. Yep. Did you see anything that fits in the senior bowl? Uh, the Sidney Brown kid from Illinois was kind of interesting, but you tell me. He was, absolutely. Sidney Brown, you know, I think with each passing day, uh, his brother Chase had a kind of a rough first practice. Uh, he's a running back, and, and his brother Sidney, I think most of the season at Illinois kind of kind of stood in his shadow, a couple of Canadian kids too. I know the CFL at one point was hoping those guys might slip through the cracks. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. But, yeah, Sidney Brown, I just felt like as the week went on, uh, you know, you, you you started to see the more things you can do with him. I think you could probably play him, uh, you know, over tight ends and backs and, and have him, you know, cover those players. Not, not long to the point where you say, oh, yeah, I, you know, absolutely could see him as against the tight end in every single situation. But he's a little short. You know, he's 5'10 or whatever yeah. he is. Uh, but he's got a thick build, really well sculpted. I thought, you know, he looked like a little little uh, tank as a safety there and moved very well. So, yeah, he was one that stood out. 
Kayvon Merriweather is, is a good player. I'm trying to think of other guys who, you know, kind of have that, that, that look, the, the kid from Cal by the end of the week, and I'm just blanking on his name right now. I'm, <laughs> I can't believe it, but, uh, um, I thought he really kind of stood up as the week went on and had a couple plays in the game itself, which, which still matters. I know everyone says the practices are, are the goods there, but, um, you know, overall this year, I think it's a pretty good safety class. I wouldn't say it's an amazing one, but for the first year in, in recent memories, I feel like we can maybe go six, seven, eight deep at that position and, and feel like you might get a, a starting caliber player at that position. Is there anybody in the draft that kind of fits that, that mold that Fangio's looking for, the guy that can do it all? Cause you've got to be really good coverage, uh, cover safety besides run support. Yeah, somebody who may you know you may want to check out is is Ronnie Hickman in Ohio State. I think the size is it meets what Fangio would look for, uh, kind of the diversity of roles that you know the hats he wore at Ohio State. You know, kind of did a, a number of different things there. Just a really solid all around player. I don't think has any glaring weaknesses, at least what I've seen so far. I haven't talked to a ton of people about him, but you know, I think about him. Christopher Smith's a little on the undersi- uh, undersized side. Um, if you go in really rich at the position, I know they have limited draft picks. Brian Branch at Alabama, I think could be a, a terrific safety hybrid player slot outside corner if you need him to, you know, I mean, but that's probably above where, where Miami currently sits. Okay. Uh, linebacker, uh, for me personally, the Dan Henley kid yeah. from Washington state. He he's I I wasn't fixated on practice as much as normal, dude. This was the first time I was back in three years, uh-huh. so I was kind of I was kind of catching up with people that I would run into, and I yep. did a lot of talking. But uh, I thought when I would look, that was one of those guys that would flash to me at times. So talk to me because a linebacker again, they need a guy in the middle that can run and do all. You know you know what Fangio does. Sure, so I don't need to tell you. Yeah, and right. I mean, obviously, we you know, there's there's still, I guess, hope for for Channing Tyndall to to develop, and he right. was a player who you know obviously could could flourish in a different scheme with a little more time. It sounded like maybe terminology uh, caught up to him a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I I thought Henley was was one of the winners of the week, and you know, some of my uh, NFL uh, cohorts like Daniel Jeremiah felt the same, and um, you know, I was impressed with his his energy too. I it, it was just something that kind of stood out to me watching him the first day of practice he'd be on the sideline really encouraging his teammates and helping guys get lined up first of all it it was a credit to him for knowing you know where they needed to be and stuff and he he was that was one of the first things I noticed and then as the 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 week went on you could see him really uh, feeling well you know being in a position to make a play Uh, you know I, I would say meeting the ball is his biggest trait you know he takes really good angles to the ball and gets there fast um, he, he's a fascinating player that I probably, you know, there were about eight or 10 guys that I came out of the week thinking I need to go back and watch him a little bit more. I was aware of him, but I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about him uh, and came away feeling like, you know, he moves pretty well. Uh, coverage is still something I want to see a little bit more of, uh, in terms of tape work, but yeah, I would say Henley really caught my eye a little bit and I've, I've maybe moved him up a little. Anybody else is Henley's the kind of guy that could be there. What in the third round, right? He could. Yeah, he could. I would say top hundred is, is I, this is me guessing a little rounders. Yeah. Right. I think that's kind of in the, uh, whether it's the, you know, maybe the, the Patriots pick or even the Miami's, uh, I think is, is a little bit after that, their selection, 
So, yeah, I would say with one of those choices, that position would be well represented and Henley would probably still be uh, a reasonable option there. And, and, and any guy in the draft that you like that kind of fits the mold of the middle linebacker? Yeah, uh, the Alabama kid who opted out of the Senior Bowl, Henry To'o To'o, I thought, you know, Tennessee transfer came to Alabama, you know, Nick Saban kind of gave him the red dot right away and, and sort of had him run the show a little bit. I think there are athletic concerns. Like, I don't think he's as gifted an athlete as Channing Tindall, but I think he might be a better and more refined football player at this point. Um, you know, it's sort of apples to oranges in a little bit, but I... I his instincts are really good. Uh, I think better going forward than in than in coverage, but isn't a, a lost cause by any means. But he's somebody who, in that you know second third round range, I, I think could could intrigue somebody like like uh, Fangio. By the way, Daniel Scott's the kid you were thinking about. Daniel from, Scott, uh, thank yeah. you. God, I just could not think of his name. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you like so you like him at at, at strong safety. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what he is. I mean, could he play the post maybe, you know? Um, and I, I think the range is good. Uh, he's obviously got a little bit of length to him too. He really showed up and, and had some instinctive plays in the game itself. Um, he was a little quiet in practice early in the week, or at least I didn't notice him standing out. But but another player that I would put on that, you know, kind of be kind, rewind. Like I need to see a little bit more of him before I stamp any kind of uh, final determination on him. All right. Uh, this one's kind of an odd question. It's running back. And I, I love the Spears kid I saw from Tulane. I think sure. every, all of us liked him as, as, as the week went on, we, you know, you, you thought more of him, but the problem I have is, and you know, this Chris Greer has a history of, they don't invest high picks in running backs. Yeah. They don't invest big money in, you know, I've had fans tell me, Hey, they should go after Saquon. They're not going to do that, dude. Right. They got to re-sign Sealer. They got to re-sign Wilkins, first of all, all these. And, and they've got to move some money around. They're not going to go bring in a free agent running back. Their thing has kind of been an under-the-radar. And I think they're still going to bring Mostert and Wilson back because they kind of were a pretty good duo for them overall. But if they would go for a back, you know, Miles Gaskin was late. Um, uh, what's it called? Um, the, the kid that's bounced around all over the place in the third round from Alabama. I'm forgetting that. Um, anyway, um, yeah. you know, uh, he, I think, wasn't he in Arizona now and, and is getting, no, not Arizona. Oh, you're the thinking Kenyon, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yes. Kenyon Drake. So, so the history under Greer has been that they're not gonna. So now, you know, Eric, I need you to kind of focus on something that's, I guess lesser than third round, third round worst best case scenario to later on in the draft. And they only have a couple of more picks. So did you see a guy that you would invest in, in the senior bowl that is going to be in the later to mid Brown picks or give me another name in free agency? Yeah. Good question. I think the good news is that the free agency class looks pretty loaded. So like you said, it's a position where, you know, maybe a, a couple of guys tend to get paid, right? I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with Barkley and, you know, Pollard and Josh Jacobs and whatever, but, you know, even Miles Sanders for that matter. But, I mean, you could still kind of go down the list and and there's, I don't know, almost like a dozen guys that who maybe they're not standalone starters, but how many teams have those anymore? Right? Not many. I mean, they, they're usually shared positions. So there are at least half a dozen free agents, so I think – you know, can offer some kind of value there. So 
some of them will slip through the cracks. And I think that kind of also applies to the draft too, as we, you know, as we sit here, you know, two plus months away from, from draft day, you know, I'm uh, Bijan will probably go in round one. Jameer Gibbs will probably be a top 40 pick. You know, uh, the A&M kid will, will, will really run well, I think, and, and go high, maybe in that James Cook kind of second round range. But, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones, you know, Kendra Miller from TCU, was banged up, didn't play in the national title game, but he's kind of a bigger back with some some interesting feet. Roshan Johnson, who was down at the the Senior Bowl too, Bijan Robinson's backup at Texas, who offers a ton of special teams value. I think he's going to be really good in that respect. Uh, has some size. I mean, he's a good, thickly built kid who I think he's got some nice feet and vision as well. Runs hard, runs downhill. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of his and think he could be. Uh, exploited well uh, in, in more of a feature role than he saw in college where, you know, if he was lucky, he got a dozen carries in the game, more likely, you know, seven to 10 or something like that. So, yeah, it really is, it, it is a fascinating class. You mentioned Spears, uh, Kenny McIntosh. I didn't think he had the greatest week down there, at least coming in with expectations like he did. But, you know, he and Eric Gray are, are both uh, good senior bowl running backs, so I think could be available on day three. Or, you know, at least Gray might be. Um, there, there's some options. I really think if you include the underclassmen, Zach Charbonnet, Sean Tucker from, from Syracuse, uh, Tank Bigsby I like from Auburn. I mean, they're, they're – Izzy Abaconda uh, from Pittsburgh I think is getting slept on a little bit as a, as a kind of a thickly built guy. So – you know, they're there. This is a pretty good running back class this year, and it was a good group in Mobile. It's so devalued, it's the most interchangeable position in all of pro sports. Like, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs, bro. Put I know it's cycling back in, though. I do feel like we're, we're trending in the right direction for the run game, uh, appreciators out there, but you're right, it's it's still one of those positions where. If you get one more than more than one payday, good for you. I mean, that's right. that's, that's that's hard to do. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a two contract guy, you mm -hmm. are super blessed. Yep, that's it. Super blessed if you're a two contract guy, uh, and very few because I've had GMs that tell me, you know, I'd rather go in the middle late rounds. Yeah, I'll keep them for four or five years. Yep, and then I can move on and get the next guy and the next guy, and I could just keep it more interchangeable than me having to tie a lot of money to a position that takes a lot of pounding. Yeah. And so that that's, you know, I, and Look I can understand. The, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Look how oh, the Ravens and, and Patriots and other teams have done it where they've drafted backs in the third, fourth, fifth round range, used them well, let them go in for agency. They get the comp pick on the back end. I mean, it's like, you're, it's almost a free investment in some respects. So yeah, I think a lot of teams will take that approach. All right, now let's get to the the most unrealistic position sometimes with folks out there, because and I, and I always get into it with my man Omar Kelly all the time because he's like, well, no, you know, Gesicki doesn't block, and and I'm like, okay, well, eighty five percent of the damn tight ends in the NFL can't block, it's true, and usually most of the great pass catchers aren't really blockers, bro. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, and. I know that that's kind of been the knock here for the for the for the last year with McDaniel and even with Flo, he didn't even use Gesicki as much either because he wanted a little more two way out of his guy too. <laughs> but the reality is, I didn't see anybody. I at least I don't think I saw anybody in the Senior Bowl that I looked at a tight end and said, "Wow, 
Great pass catcher, great blocker. Yeah, they grow on trees. No, they don't. <laughs> so, so walk us through here. I can't give you a name I saw in the senior bowl. If you did see one, please tell me. But what what guy or two or th- is there even three in the draft that you would say this fits what Mike McDaniel and Shanahan and these kind of cats want a right. full two way tight end? Who's that? Yeah. I'll disagree slightly with you, but I get the sentiment of what you're saying. And I think you're, you're at least on the right track. There may not be a Luke Musgrave came into the week with a lot of hype. The Oregon state kid who only played two games last year. He's not going to end up in Miami. He's going to go too high most likely. And he's too much like Gusecki. I think there, there, there will be a team out there that says we could use that. You know, there's some, some, downfield ability some jump ball ability I I see a little Dallas Goddard in him maybe not quite as smooth a little a little clunkier at times but boy I mean he can he can really stretch out and get the ball if there's somebody who fits the mold of what you didn't see down there that I saw Payne Durham by the end of the week the the Purdue kid I thought was starting to look spectacular early in the week didn't notice him as much you know felt like he was kind of getting his sea legs underneath him a little bit He's a, he's a pretty big kid. I mean, he's, you know, he's played in the, in the 260 pound range, but boy, watching him move and kind of contort his body and adjust to off target throws a few times Thursday's practice, especially. And then early in the game as well. I mean, he made a couple, or I guess maybe the one catch was in the second half, but I, that's a player that I, that I'm fascinated to kind of drill down on a little bit more because didn't play football until his senior year of high school, Call him a late bloomer if you want to. I think that's fair. They did have a pretty good quarterback situation there as Aiden O'Connell had a nice uh, year for for Purdue, nice couple years, I guess. Um, so he's one that that may fit that role. And and you feisty like, you is, like his blocking or during, feisty during and, and competitive as a blocker. I, I think there's some work to be done. I didn't mean to again, didn't mean to step on you there, but no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, he's got the frame and the temperament, I think, to be effective. You know, we saw George Kittle, for instance, if you want to use a you know, Shanahan tree tight end in college as a guy who, you know, gave this wild effort as a blocker. And sometimes it was terrific. And sometimes it was less than terrific. And he was hurt a lot too. So it's hard to really make a, a judgment. I'm not saying he's going to turn into George Kittle, but I at least see some, some role similarities to what the two of them did. I don't pain Durham doesn't have the yak ability of, of Kittle, but in terms of how they employ him uh, as a blocker and then also as a receiver, there's at least some overlap there, I think. Yeah, okay. But that's my point. Like, there's only a yeah. few of those in the NFL. Like, like, every team doesn't have one. There's like five, six, seven guys maybe in the NFL that can legitimately, you can say, oh, this guy's a hell of a pass catcher and a hell of a blocker. That's right. really tough. So is there somebody in the draft? And here's where I think that one second rounder or those two third rounders I'm almost pretty sure they're going if the, if there's one that's the thing. I haven't really dealt, you know, I haven't uh, delved too much into the draft yet. Right. Is there a guy that is going to go in that area that you say Eric, this is a guy that can definitely become a two-way guy that Mike McDaniel will love to use. Here's how I view the tight end position right now. We mentioned Musgrave, he could be a first round pick, so that's obviously out of the picture. The, the the only two I would say high round dual threat guys, blockers, receivers 
are Michael Mayer, Notre Dame, uh, and probably Darnell Washington, Georgia, both also probably going to be out of the picture for that. I think Dalton Kincaid will probably rise to that level. He's more receiver than, than blocker at this point. So those four, I think, are off the board. Could we could we see Tucker Craft, a kid from South Dakota State, possibly enter that that range? Maybe. Um, Luke Schoonmaker, I like him more than other people. The Michigan kid, he was out at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, you know, I don't think he finished the week. I, I don't know if he had an injury or something. I have to check on that. But I don't think he played in the game. If he did, I didn't see him, to be totally honest. Uh, but but he's one I really like. And the more I've watched him, the more I appreciate him as a potential dual threat guy. He's got enough length. He can put on a little weight too and strength. And I think it get better blocking, but good player. Um, he would maybe be a little bit lower than that. Sam Laporta uh, has some receiving chops. They, they, they stress the blocking aspect there too. A kid at Iowa. Um, some, you know, Daniel Jeremiah mentioned Davis Allen at Clemson. I thought he was really quiet at the senior bowl, but uh, somebody who I think NFL scouts have some intrigue with. And like you pointed out, it's a, it's a really tough position. It's a slow developing position in the NFL. If you're expecting immediate returns, I think you might be disappointed more often than not. It's just one of those spots where you often pick up a player who was a, you know, let's say day two pick or something like that. Didn't work out in his first spot, ends up in free agency and, and, and finds a role a little bit, almost like uh, Tyler Conklin with Minnesota a couple years ago, or, you know, people like that, where you say it, it's just kind of a, a slow boil to get where they're at. And that's why even with a good class this year, I don't know that there are more than a handful of immediate contributors. And by the way, um, I'm on, I, I think Gesicki's going to have a phenomenal career. I do too. Uh, yeah. When he go, he'll find a place now that will use him like a receiver, like yep. what he is. And if you use him in that, in that way, I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic mm -hmm. wherever he goes next. I think for the fantasy players out there, I think he's going to be one of the better fantasy tight ends next year. He could have a 10 touchdown season. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, he's already had a couple, you know, big ones. So, yeah, I'm with you there. One more thing before I let you go. Tyndall, what did you think of him? Because obviously he didn't play a lot this. He didn't play much at all this year. But right. Uh, and I know fans are disappointed. I'm not one of those guys. I don't like quitting on, on guys early on, especially when they're good dudes and they work hard and all that. Uh, you know, if the guy's a clown and he's, you know, whatever, then you can't count on his maturity to be a professional then that's always going to be an issue but uh this kid looks like a good kid a hard worker what did you like about him and how do you think he fits now with what a fangio is going to do yeah i mean you know he's played extensively on special teams from what i saw or at least you know uh, on on multiple units there um you know we heard the talk that that maybe the 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 either the scheme or the terminology and just maybe the speed of things kind of held him back a little bit. And obviously, as you alluded to, I mean, entering his senior season at Georgia, he was considered kind of a fringe, maybe, maybe, maybe draftable player, but really didn't emerge till his final year. And, you know, even then it was without the benefit of starting. I mean, he had to be, he was in probably the most talented linebacker room in the country or, you know, them in Ohio state uh, in 2021. So, it was a projection to begin with, but it was based on very, very promising athletic traits. And like you said, passed a lot of the character tests. I, people felt like this is a kid you can win with. You know, he's he's selfless and he's going to do whatever it takes. 
Uh, he's got some passion on the football field. I mean, his pursuitability, I mean, his motor was really strong. But yeah, you could also see some of the holes in his game and, and why it took him a little longer to develop. So I think once the mental part, once he starts kind of, you know, reacting and not thinking and all that, I mean, that's going to be big. But we know a scheme change is coming. So does that hold him back? I don't know. Um, you know, Vic, obviously, I'm here in Chicago. And when, when he arrived, I mean, he was such a big part of what Matt Nagy needed right away. They had a talented defense, but Vic really kind of brought it all together and made it a, a unit that in some ways carried that team this first year into the playoffs. Um, they had, obviously, guys like Roquan Smith go right from college, right from Georgia, in fact, step right, right. in and, and be a rookie contributor. But he also had a, a veteran next to him in Danny Trevathan. I believe it was Trevathan that year who really made a difference. So it's possible that Vic either dips into a veteran option that he's had before to kind of be the, you know, the, the surrogate, if you will, you know, the, the, the chaperone uh, for, for a young linebacker like that, they could draft one as we talked about, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's a, a guy closer to the end of his career than the beginning who ends up being maybe the, the cheaper veteran addition because of his smarts and because of, you know, his two down run stopping ability or whatever. And that wouldn't shock me if, if, if they end up appeasing Vic with, with that type of player. Oh, uh, by the way, Hunter long a waste now, right? I liked him coming out. too. <laughs> he no, made no, some but, wild but, catches. No, no, but wait a minute. Just... But wait a minute in this offense. Yeah. Because remember they drafted him in the Flores era because I think he's a Flores guy actually. Yeah. And, 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 and then, <clears throat> You know, McDaniel takes over. It's not the kid's fault. I'm not saying right. it's a waste for them now because, again, dude, when you switch schemes, it doesn't mean the player is bad. It just means he's a bad fit here. It doesn't mean he can't fit somewhere else. Yep. So what's Hunter Long's future, dude? Yeah, I think tight end and offensive line are, are tricky. Running back, I guess, could could too be, depending on the scheme, right? Like you say, he's just not made for what we do. He's good. You know, it's like you said with Gusecki too. I mean, I, you know, could he could he make the team as a as a third tight end or something and 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 provide some some depth and contribute a little on special teams? I suppose so. But yeah, maybe that's the kind of player who gets moved during the draft. During day two of the draft, maybe during training camp, preseason that era. I mean, I you know that's the kind of player that I think some other GMs will be kind of sniffing around and saying, "We liked him coming out. Doesn't seem like a fit in Miami. Maybe maybe we can pry him loose." What's uh, what's the next concert? Ah, good question. Boy, that that is a. I don't know that I have anything on the books. Is that sad? Am I getting old? Is this what is this what old feels like? I don't know, but. Yeah, I got two kids and a birthday coming up in the combine, so I've got my February and March are all of a sudden slammed. So I'll have to, I'll have to figure that one out. I I tried to see some music in Mobile. There wasn't anything scheduled. No, there was nothing, bro. Nothing. Every stink, dude. Every stinking year I go there, and I've been going for over twenty years. I know. I think it's been twice that, and once was Billy Idol, and I had to drive to New Orleans oh. for the House of Blues. Yeah. So, you know, it's a two-hour drive. Right. So, you know, I said, all right, what the hell? And rarely, you know, you're hoping there's something in Pensacola. Oh, I did. I saw Steve Harris's band in Pensacola. Oh, okay. That was the other one. I caught. Cool. Yeah. Which yeah, no, cool. I mean, when you, you get anything nearby, you feel you feel blessed. I was just shocked that they didn't have any bands. You'd think during Senior Bowl week at night, they'd, you know, somebody would be coming through. But my my best mobile show, I think, was the drive-by truckers at that little uh, 
that little dive bar there in the middle of uh, like on Dauphin Street or, or whatever downtown. Garage? <sighs> Not the garage. I, I, I can almost come up with the name of it, but dingy little club. They, they have about maybe two shows a week or something. I don't I don't see a lot on their schedule, but uh, I'll have to I'll have to think of the name and, and get back to you. It's like the uh, like the guy I was trying to think of earlier. I just couldn't Cal Safety. I couldn't come up with it. Yeah. By the <laughs> way, uh, I got tickets for Metallica in Quebec. Oh, in Quebec. All right, man. I love well, it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, Metallica's got that tour of two nights, no repeats. Yes. And right. you know so, where they were inspired by? Hey, go look up at the Metallica Fish video. They're commenting on the fish. This would have been back in like 2017. Fish played a residency at MSG, played 13 shows in like a 15-day span, and they didn't repeat a single song throughout the tour. And like right. Lars and those guys are reading about it and there's a video and they're going, how do you even do that? Right. And now obviously they're, I think they're trying their best uh, to, to do the Metallica version of it, which I love. I think it's great. I, I, I was here at the concert here uh, where they did the 83, 84 albums only, you the know, so era, it was right? awesome. And, and ride the lightning is my favorite album. That's anyways. My favorite. Yeah. That's, that's the second, that's the second album. And so yep. it was kill them, kill them all and, and ride the lightning. And it was just free. Cause it was in honor of the record owners. Uh, I forgot the name, their names. Yeah. Where they originally started with them. So it was, it was ah, one of those cool. concerts and then they started doing this. And so one night Pantera and mammoth are opening up. Oh, man. And then the other, that, and then the other night is five finger death punch and ice nine kills opening up. So you get, <laughs> you get the two sets two different songs and then you oh, get the, the opening act so that's gonna that's gonna be cool by the way i bought the same tickets for mexico city in september of 2024 oh beautiful you are yeah, set greta, up man. Greta, I think greta's in... opening up for that one. Oh, uh, nice yeah greta and mammoth i'm a big greta fan so i think like i think you'll be treated well man i think that's gonna be an, a tasty uh evening right there dude i've been dying to go to a metal concert in central south america because uh, every time i see them on youtube it's like the passion in those concerts oh my are just, yeah. Rush in Rio is, I know it's not metal, right? But if you go watch the Rush in Rio video, like those people yeah. are going crazy for, for two yeah. and a half, three hours. Unreal. It's awesome. It's pretty awesome. All right. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Ed home. Catch his work there at NFL Network. Eric, as always, very generous with your time. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you immensely. All right. Have a great day, man. See ya. I'll see you at the combine, bro. There you go. All right, looking forward to the combine and seeing Eric there. Good stuff. As always, we like Eric. And uh, he was at Yahoo, and now he's at uh, NFL Network. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Big O, we know last year at times McDaniel's play calling we put into question. Do you believe he was distracted because of our defense? And no, dude, he was just terrible. What does his defense have to do with challenging plays and all that? That has nothing to do with it. The defense kept him in every game. Dolphin 13, the offense lost most of those games. The defense kept them in every single game. They did their job. I don't care what anybody tells me. There was not one game where the offense was lights out and the defense was so terrible, it gave up all the points and they lost. Not once. That happened with Marino 8,000 times. No. I know what it's like to watch an offense light people up and your defense sucks and gives up more points than the offense produces. I've lived that. Okay, you see, that guy there, number 13, he lived that shit over and over and over again. 
The Miami Dolphin offense not one time this season went out there. The only time it happened, actually it happened twice in a half. Baltimore and uh, what was the other one that they uh, came back from? Oh, God, what was it? Help me out here. Detroit. Baltimore and Detroit, That they the defense was so bad in the first half, gave up all those points. What happened in the second half? Oh, they shut them down and allowed the offense to get back and win the game, something Marino rarely ever had that luxury. You know, some of you guys, you have no perspective because you're too young and you haven't lived everything. And you don't realize, you have no idea what it's like watching an offense light people up and your defense give up games all the time. Just like the opposite was true during Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas and Sam Madison, that we would watch a defense, limit a team to 15, 17, 22 points, 23, and the damn offense can't score with a fistful of dollars in a whorehouse. This is the part that Sometimes I really question what 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 kind of football you guys are really watching. And then sometimes I also say, how young is this person? And if you're my age and you're saying that shit, then I really question what the hell you, you know. Because if you lived Marino, then you know what it's like to have a defense that is just a sieve the entire goddamn time. And the only time it happened to this team was in a half. And then they corrected in the second half and shut their asses down and did their job. I don't know what more you want. The defense, you guys can pick on Josh Boyer all you want. The offense and Mike McDaniel lost a shit ton of games. And they lost it on their own had nothing to do with Tyreek Hill and Trent Sherfield dropping a touchdown on the same drive. It has nothing to do when you're running the ball at seven and nine yards a carry, and all of a sudden you decide not to run the ball anymore. It doesn't have anything to do with you putting Braylon Sanders in a position that he was not ready to succeed in. That falls on McDaniel. It has nothing to do with the defense. You know why? The defense was doing its goddamn job. Some of you really, zero perspective, zero, zero reality. (sighs) Oh, you should have asked Eric about nose tackle prospects, given the importance on Fangio's. They have one in Raekwon. I don't think that they're going to use like a big pick on that. I think they will use Raekwon to then elevate him. You know, Paul Solii, this was the year Paul Solii figured it out, year four. And guess what's coming up for Raekwon Davis? Year four. So maybe now he has somebody that can take him to the next level. If they get anybody, it's going to be a seasoned veteran like they've had or something like that or somebody that's played for Fangio. That's a rotational guy, but I doubt that they're going to spend a high pick on that. Plus, I've got months to talk about all that stuff. So, you know, we got in one half hour of a great conversation. You should appreciate that. But then again, half of you don't appreciate jack shit. You really don't even understand all the work we go through. Big O, I think we should move on from Boyer. 
Well, some of you out there need to move on yourselves. Oh, I just watched some of the clown show Twitter hearings, and now I want to go on darkness retreat. <laughs> My favorite thing is when Big O goes off on the fan base. Ha, 1983 and counting for me. Same old Miami. Can't get a full team together. Thank you, Brent. Thanks for some common freaking sense. Really helps out, man. Really helps out when you got common sense. You know, that uh, that always kind of puts you over the top. Common sense is hiring Welton Realm, too, for all kinds of things. Listen, you live in Dade, Broward, or Palm Beach counties, 954-966-4646, bankruptcy, homeowner property damage, condo damage, criminal defense, business owner claims, commercial litigation, personal injury. Something's going on, man. You're in a condo and somebody's other condo had a flood or something and it caused damage to you. Don't call the insurance company first. Call my guys at Welton Ram. They have their own adjusters and they're going to take on the insurance. Don't call the insurance company. Have the lawyers call the insurance company. That changes everything. They know they can't F around. When they hear you call, they're going to take advantage of you. Do you know all the laws in Florida? Do you know all the loopholes? They do. And they want to take advantage of you. I know because I saw it firsthand. And as a married man, you know, sometimes when you got a wife, yeah, yeah, there are battles and wars you fight. And then there are some that you say, yeah, you know, I'll let this one go. And she wanted to call the insurance company. And then when she noticed that the insurance company was railroading her, she then said, oh, I'm frustrated. I then said, you're not calling them ever again. Let me call Jeff and Dan. And Welton Rayom took over and crushed the crap out of progressive insurance. And by the way, they do this to insurance companies all the time. Insurance companies have a lot of money, have a lot of powerful lawyers. They have their adjusters. They're all working for them, not for you. Nobody works for you. Welton Rayom is working for you. Okay? All right? They're not going to get paid if you don't get paid. So call them. Call them for a free consultation. You don't have to go to the office. You can talk to them by phone. So if you've had some kind of storm issue, condo issue, home, you had a bunch of kids think that they're fast and furious and go through the wall of your house like we did, you call Welton Rayom, 954-966-4646. That's 954-966-4646. They're in Hollywood. And they can help you anywhere in South Florida. By the way, they also have an office in the Keys. So my friends in the Keys, you've got some issues there. You call Welt and Rayom first before you call that insurance company. And once that insurance company sees that they're dealing with Welt and Rayom, trust me, you're going to be in great hands. I know. Uh, they, they were offering us one-fifth of what we got. Okay. So Welton Rayom did some ass kicking. One fifth of what we originally ended up getting, what we ended up getting. That's crazy. That's how badly they want to take advantage of you. Do not take advantage, do not let them take advantage. Do not settle for less. Call Welton Rayom, 954-966-4646. By the way, when sports and business collide. We love doing one thing, and it is called the KSDTCPA Sports Business Report.
the power of the NFL is absolutely sick. Uh, the Pro Bowl, the revamped Pro Bowl, obviously, you know, flag football, catching uh, water balloons, all that uh, dodgeball, 6.2 million viewers. Now, it's a 7.5% decrease from last year, which was at 6.7 million viewers, so half a million less. The rating, 3.35, okay? Um, this is, These are numbers that Major League Baseball, NBA, the NHL would salivate to have. This is 6.2 million is 12 times, maybe 13 or 14 times the amount of viewers that the MLS would get for their MLS final. I, that That is just, I'm not surprised, okay? I'm not surprised that, you know, people hang around and watch this stupid shit because it's crap, okay? But we are so in love with football that we will watch anything that they're doing, anything, because it's this drug that we must have all the time. High school, college, NFL, the love we have for this game does not compare to anything else, man. They can put whatever they want on television. And if it has an NFL logo and there's going to be NFL players on it, we're going to watch. I'm not necessarily going to watch myself. I did watch the flag football game for a minute and then I, I, I can't watch flag football at, at any level, as I've told you. Uh, to me, flag football is boring as shit. It's crap. really is. It's terrible. But this shows you the power of the NFL that they could have flag football and you're going to watch it with no problem whatsoever. And you're gonna you're gonna keep feeding the monster that is the NFL. That is your KSDT CPA Sports Business Report. This has been the KSDT Sports Business Report. KSDT CPA is one of South Florida's largest and one of the country's fastest growing accounting firms. KSDT is recognized by Forbes as one of the top tax and accounting firms for 2022. KSDT CPA is a full service firm that also excels in crypto. Visit online at ksdtcpa.com or call 305-670-3370. You know, some of you live, that's why you're fans, you're fanatical, you have little logic whatsoever, like Stephen Harris. Um, let, well, not Stephen Harris, where is it? Um, uh, Devin Jordan, who we love, but uh, Devin, eh, I'm not sure if you're, you know, drinking a little bit right now, you, you're smoking some bad weed. Uh, could the Dolphins get Dalvin Cook? No. Uh, maybe we can trade Byron uh, to Flores to get Cook in return. Okay, nobody wants Byron Jones. Nobody wants Byron Jones. Nobody's going to trade for Byron Jones, especially with that salary, and especially when they know Miami will be forced to cut him, and they'll cut him in June, which most of the uh, cap will be dried out around the NFL, so he will not be able to get a big deal, and most teams know that. So then you can get him even cheaper without giving up any compensation. And then the other thing is they're not, they're not going after Dalvin Cook if he's a free agent or, or, or whatever. I think he is a free agent, actually. Um, they don't do that stuff. So they're not signing Saquon. They're not signing Dalvin Cook. I, I just, that's not who they are. So it's just not realistic. And the Byron Jones thing, they're done, bro. They have to release him 
That's the reality. If, 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 if Chris Greer is able to trade Byron Jones, then that guy needs a 20-year extension is what he needs. Yes, sir. Uh, did you see the tweet I sent you from Barry Jackson? No. I'm uh, sorry. The Dolphins are hiring Butch Barry as their new offensive line coach per league source. He was the Denver offensive line coach last year, has worked in San Francisco, Green Bay, Tampa, UM, replaces Matt Applebaum. Okay, so they got an NFL O-line coach to replace a college O-line coach. Okay. All right. All right. And he's worked in San Fran, so he knows uh, San Fran, Green Bay, Tampa. Okay. All right. That's... uh, they got a little Butch, okay? So Butch Barry, new O-line coach for Miami, okay? All right? And he coaches the scheme that he came from, so that kind of helps, okay? All right, makes, uh, makes uh, a lot of censuses. I like it. Good move. Barry always working hard. Uh, what else do we have going on? By the way, what's what's the I haven't checked the market in a while here. What's going on with the market? Up, down, just under again, 22,954. We're right there. Polygon at 133. I love it. Immutable X still over a dollar. Damn, it got up to like a dollar uh 18, 19, or something like that. It's at a dollar two now. It went from 44 cents. It has climbed like crazy, man. Impressive. Impressive. Uh, what else do we have? Man, some some uh some coins are all right. Algo is up, approaching approaching 30 cents now. Okay. So Algorand moving. Got some coins moving. Some are moving, some are grooving. I like it. Where's the market at? All right. Dow's down 149 points. S&P's down 39. All right. Big O, who's your Super Bowl pick? I'm going Kansas City. Kansas City. Uh, Tyson says, thank you, Big O, because folks acting like Boyer's the worst, and he did the best with what he had with a scheme predicated on secondary. I know. I know. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. We're coming for the division crown, Buffalo. Bye, Felicia. If they stay healthy, I think our, I think the Dolphins can can definitely make some noise and and win the division. Man, I'm sorry. I, I I'm not I'm not the guy that is all negative about this season, like it was the worst and all that. No, I think they just need luck. To stay away from a few more injuries, uh, especially Tua's got to learn how to, you know, get rid of the football. And then Mike McDaniel's got to be a better game day coach. You already improved. You got one of the best defensive coordinators in the business. Um, so you're, hopefully the offensive line coach helps out a little bit more and the staff becomes better. And that's one thing that we got to give McDaniel credit because. You now added a Fangio and you added an NFL O-line coach that knows your scheme and all that. 
and and was pretty you know was has been successful in the past so here you go hopefully this is an upgrade over Applebaum who came from college um I I just think that things will get better you know I I if you follow our show for many years now I have not been very positive about the Dolphins for a long long time long long time many many years a couple decades and to me i'm super positive about what's going on now because i really feel they're headed in the right direction i just think they got smacked down with every possible bad thing that can possibly happen to you happened to you last year and I, i'm just hoping that they that they can avoid that get a little better luck and then watch a young coach grow and if the young coach grows, then I think sky's the limit, man. I really do. I'm not um, I'm not that guy that, oh, my God, the Dolphins are miles away like they've been in the past. Look how they played Buffalo, even completely injured with a third quarterback in the playoffs. I'm sorry, dude. I, I'm, I'm not falling for any of that crap. And people want to make it, you know, like the sky is falling and all that. And same old Dolphins, bull crap. This ain't the same old Dolphins. I completely disagree. I love this front office. I love this uh, young coach. You know, he does piss me off on game day, and he better fix that. But outside of that, I think he has all the potential to become one hell of a coach. And he's entitled to, you know, going through some, some speed bumps. He's entitled to make mistakes because he's a young coach. He's got to figure things out. None of us are perfect right from the get-go. So I, I'm willing to watch him grow, but he shows me more potential than any of the coaches that I've seen uh, in a Dolphins uniform. And to me, the three guys in the front office are absolutely awesome. I just think we're headed in the right direction. We just, it's hard to be patient with all the crap that's gone on over the years, but I just have a good feeling about these guys and about what's happening. I just think they need a couple of breaks. That's all. And we'll see. So time will uh, answer all, my friends. Savon Ahmed was a good backup. You know, Zach Morgan, maybe while we're all thinking, oh, you got to go get a running back, got to get a running back, they might just bring back the same three guys. Because if you improve the offensive line by a couple of guys staying healthy, and playing well, and then let's just say, entertain me, okay, for craps and giggles, as they say. Let, let Just entertain me here. Let's say Tua, the light goes on, and he figures out, okay, quick decisions. Let's make quick decisions, and he has a healthy year. If he has a healthy year and the line improves, then all three running backs will run even better. And the one thing that we all cannot deny is Moster was excellent. Jeff Wilson was very good. And Savan Ahmed, as Mr. Morgan brings up, was ready every single time you gave him the ball. Every single time. So as much as I can talk about running backs, you could talk about running backs, we could talk about free agent running backs, we could talk about drafting running backs, all of that stuff. If you improve everything else, the offensive line coach, the offensive line, the quarterback stays healthy, then your, your running backs are going to be much better. 
And they were pretty good last year considering what was going on. Considering, how about this? Maybe when your running backs and your run, and your offensive line is working and you're gouging the other team, you actually, as a coach, stay with it. Another way you can help your offensive line and your running backs. So what Zach brings up is also what could be the reality. While we talk about Saquon and Dalvin Cook and and we're talking about, uh, un, you know, rookie running backs, senior bowl, draft, all this kind of stuff, those guys in the front office might say, we're tight. We're good in the in the running back department. We're going to bring back those three guys. We like those three guys as a as a three headed monster. We just need to improve the other aspects of it. How do you argue with that? Right. Plus, Mostert's manageable. Can't ask for a big salary. Jeff Wilson's salary manageable. Can't ask for a big salary. Salman Ahmed has no chance asking for a big sale. I don't even know. He's probably, he might be still under contract. I don't know. But it, whatever he signs, it's minimal. It's not really a big deal. So none of them are real cap type of, you know, impacts that, that it's going to create problems for you. You know what I'm saying? So Zach could be on to something by talking about Ahmed. And I just wanted to follow up and say, Hey, the reality might be they might go in all kinds of other directions and bring back the same three guys. Because I don't think it'll be Gaskin. I think they like Ahmed clearly. It's the guy they used. And to and to Salvan's credit, every single time that kid, he answered the bell. I can't, I can't ever say a bad thing about Salvan Ahmed. Just like Miles Gaskin. I think those guys have been solid football players, true professionals. You know, they they haven't, you know, they get opportunities and then they take them away. And then, you know, and they've, they've kind of been jerked back and forth. And in the process, they've been pros, dude. So I, I got nothing but respect for those two young men. I'm not telling you they're phenomenal and they're great or whatever, but the professionalism that they showed, exceptional. I got to say, so... Uh, to follow up on Zach's point, uh, not just Salvan Ahmed, he, he did a solid job, but those three guys are all worthy of coming back. And if you improve the periphery around the running back, then the running backs become that much better. John Gieb, thank you, sir, for the love on the super chat. Remember, you can make a donation through Cash App or Venmo at Cash Big O Show, and you can send a Bitcoin donation. You know, you know. Uh, loves me some Bitcoin donation. John says, most fans don't truly understand football. They get stuck on names and not finances. And the fact that your guys are actually great for your system and Miami got their money's worth out of them. Exactly. Well, actually, I think the Moster deal and the Jeff Wilson deal, they, 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 they got more than their money's worth. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, you, you got to look at it that way sometimes too. There has to be a a, a business decision tied to it to justify this salary and the production that you're that you're trying to get out of the player. So I, I agree that that is incredibly important. Uh, Mostert was uh, close to breaking a huge TD on many occasions last year, and he ran harder than I've and I never looked at him as a as a tough running back, and yet he was a tough running back and wrote and ran hard, dude. You know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Arnaldo says, I agree. Big O Henley 
would be a very nice pickup for us. Uh, that was the O-line coach for UM in 2019. Ouch. Um, I'm not going to, you know, blame the O-line coach for the talent that was around him, you know. So I just I'm not I'm not big on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the guys that are making the decisions. Sometimes you're a better coach than what's given you, but you do what you can do with what you have. Uh, Brent says 4.3 yards a carry average with what we had. Unless you can get a McCaffrey, then move on. Exactly. Big O, I'm not saying anything bad about McDaniel, but Adam Gase did the same thing. Just focus on offense and let someone else handle the defense. I think the difference on this team is Chris Greer. Well, not only that, but Adam Gase also had no people skills. So that's also not good, too. Whereas all these guys, they have people skills. You know? Jesus Christ. Um, thoughts and prayers in Quebec. Two children have died and six others were taken to an area hospital. Injuries after a city bus drove into a daycare center in the Montreal suburb. My Lord. Wow. Can you imagine being those parents and those kids going through that? That is, wow. Uh, what else do we have here? Thomas says Miami definitely not getting their money's worth in postseasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this postseason, they did. Considering how, how injured up that team was, they did. Uh, Josh Hart says we need to call Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams back. LOL. Mostert seemed bigger than when he was uh, was a Dolphin years ago. Just he looked like a better player, you know. That's for sure. Big O, that bus driver is charged already, sadly. I mean, I just saw that come across, and I'm like, Jesus. Damn. Rough. Crazy stuff in this world, ladies and gentlemen. Crazy stuff. Uh, McDaniel is a fool. Chance to hire a legit O-line coach in Munchak, but instead he brings his buddy from San Francisco in. Broncos O-line sucked last year. Amazing hire. Tuca, the problem is, my brother, you have no information. So you run your mouth like a freaking idiot, and you sound like a dumbass. He has family in California on the west coast he's going to play he's going to coach for the rams okay if you listen to this show hasn't been said yet right has it come out yet did anything come out yet sean i heard rams because he has family there okay so that's what's happening he wasn't coming here he's not coming all the way to the east coast he was staying on that side so you know you got to know like the information that's why Fangio has his mother here in Florida, his family in Philadelphia. That's why he's consulting. And he has a girlfriend who's a doctor in the left coast. So he chose to be here on the east side with the family so he can be with his mom. And then the girlfriend will then fly over. 
there are other factors at times in these decisions, especially with older coaches that have been around, like Munchak already has been around a long time. He's done everything. So he's not looking to, oh, my God, I got to break the bank and all that. Lifestyle for him is more important. So if his family's on the left coast, then he's going to try to take a job on the left coast, and I'm told the Rams, because that's close to family. When you don't have the information and you open your mouth, you sound freaking stupid. Save your brain cells. Stupid chat. Stupid chat. Stupid chat. So before you go hammering Mike McDaniel in the defense, I'll hammer your ass instead for being a dumbass that's misinformed. Okay? So how do you like that? You were picking on somebody for no reason at all, but I'm now I'm picking on you for every reason that there is out there. Okay? <sighs> Big O, we love the blind-ass fan alert. Thank you, sir. That was a stupid chat, not a blind-ass fan alert. That was a stupid chat. Okay? Because we, I mean, you know, it's like... Follow the show, man. You know, we try to give you the information. We try to unearth stuff. We try to give you the right angles to all this stuff. A lot better than most. That's for damn sure. Um, so stay uh, actually paying attention. You, you know what? Some of you out there, you might need to get off just watching or listening to segments. Because in between the interviews, there are stuff that is said and talked about and and news broken or we enlighten you on something and give you a breakdown like what we did when when uh, this gentleman was asking about Ackman. And I said, hey, man, you guys got to think of the other side of it. And I'm and I explained to you why you can keep all three professionally and fiscally and why it's more might be even more responsible. In the end, and why it might even work because of all the elements around it that are that need to be, you know, either corrected or you need a little luck with people staying a little bit more healthy. You know, that's kind of what we do on the show. It's not just about the interviews, but it's everything else. Some of you out there, you, you really need to watch the show. You know. If Barry was coaching the type of uh, line that was being built at the U now, he would have a, of, of course, of course, man, please. Yes, sir. The Sean Allen. Well, oh, um, I don't want to, you know, uh, Benjamin Albright. He's a friend of the show, right? Yes, sir. Covers the Broncos, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Butch Barry came from the Broncos, correct? Yes, sir. He sends out a tweet. <laughs> not, not a good one. I guess not a good one. Never want to celebrate someone losing their job. But I will say that the firing of offensive line coach Butch Berry was a welcomed move in the Broncos locker room. Wow. Okay, so he's not saying necessarily that the guy was – a terrible coach, but I guess yeah, he's not he saying was... perform. Maybe, maybe he's got the same mentality as Fangio. What he said about Fangio, right? He said most people are not going to get along with him right away because he's going to be he's going to be busting their balls. 
Right. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me see. That is funny. I'm I mean, he doesn't to, say anything uh, about performance or anything else. He just says it was a welcome move. That's kind of where he ended it at. I can see. I you know what? Is isn't it Albright NFL? Or is it NFL Albright? What is what is his handle? Now I'm what's his handle? Albright NFL. Did they? Oh, wait a minute. It must be only one. Is it one L? No, two L's. No. Albright two L's. NFL. Okay. There it is. Damn it. I know because he follows me. I follow him. Um, okay. Where is it here? Is, is oh, it he a couple posted what they somebody somebody he posted it on uh I guess when Butch Berry was let go by the Broncos in December of 2022. So when they actually let him go, he posted this and then somebody reposted it under Barry's um thing. It was from the 28th of December. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was when All they right. let him go originally, not like it wasn't a replay of this sorry right no i got it all right uh you know what let me let me ask him something okay hey when you doing the uh wrestling show tell him let's go i've got i've got to figure it out because i've taken another step in 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 a possible the Sean Allen return. Oh, really? Yes. I'm in the gym. I'm down ten pounds so far. Nice. So I'm I'm trying to to get there. So uh, yeah, just uh, I I think it's gonna probably be Tuesdays again because that's the only day that's really available. Because now Thursdays we have the night at the casino because it's either Tuesday or Thursday. Because uh, the big shows are on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So uh, it'll probably be a Tuesday night. Uh, you know, it'll be a spectacular. Just stand by. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we got a. I'll uh, have the veggie burger and the sweet potato fries, and uh, it'll be great. Okay. All right. All right. The, the new Sean Allen. The Sean Allen. All right. Coming back. Yep. I like it. I like it. I, I just can't wait to see. You know the whole set. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah! No, no, yeah. That's why I'm trying to. Did you get the stuff you needed already, or what? No, I should have it hopefully by the end of next week before before. So the first show will probably go off without it, but then we will get it up in the studio. Okay. Because I I can't I can't keep it away from the audience anymore. The the Square Circle Digest has to return. Come on, bro. The hell's wrong with you? Of course, the Square Circle Digest has to return. Needs to return and stronger than ever. Brett Dodger says, "Big O knows wrestling." You damn right, I am maybe the greatest analyst of all time. There's no doubt about that. Uh, second greatest. <laughs> hey, that's right. Yeah. Second greatest. Red Skelton. I, I thought you were dead. Truthfully, I've coached in uh, Fort Myers and North Carolina, and great players make coaching easier. Newsflash, but there's some wisdom in there. Uh, I know Eagle have three guys with double-digit sacks. We'll have Mahomes on the run. 
they have a pretty decent line, and they'll get rid of it quickly. They're not going to hang on to the ball a whole bunch. Okay, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, by the way, uh, a little uh, a little music stuff I, I ran into today. Besides telling you about um, the um, the concert coming up uh, earlier in the show today on February eighth. In 1969, Eric Clapton, Ginger Baker, and Steve Winwood, what a group, uh, announced the formation of a new group with the addition of families Rich Grease on bass. The quartet became Blind Faith. Amazing. Um, in 73 on this date, Max Yasger died of a heart attack at 53 the dairy farmer owned Bethel, New York site where the original Woodstock Music and Art Festival was held in 1969. They should have, that town should have erected, and maybe they do and I don't even know about it, but they should have erected a Woodstock uh, museum. I think that would have been kind of cool in that town you know, after everything and that everything that that town went through with all that, it, yeah, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and you don't even that at that moment you don't know how big that festival was going to be and and how highly regarded it was going to be held as you know the ultimate outdoor festival of all time, greatest lineup of all time, all that kind of stuff, and but if you think about it, if you could have gotten from memorabilia to pictures and all kinds of stuff, you could have created one incredible Woodstock museum there. And I think that that would have been like something that people would have flocked to, to, uh, to see for many years to come. Uh, in 1980 on this date, David Bowie finalized his divorce from Angie Bowie. The singer won custody of their son, Zoe, but had to pay his ex $51,000 settlement. Uh, let's see. This is typical. In eight, in 94, Oasis was forced to cancel their first foreign tour after they were deported from Holland. The guys were involved in a drunken brawl on a cross-channel ferry. Some band members were arrested and had to be locked up in the brig on the ferry. <laughs> Oasis is such a disaster, man. Such a disaster. Jesus. And they were so good. It's a shame. No, you're not the Beatles. Okay? All right, Gallagher? Liam or Ian or whatever. I don't care which one of you thinks. You're not the Beatles' bottom of their shoes. But you were a hell of a band. I'll give you that. In 06, you two were the big winners at the Grammys, taking home five trophies, including one for Album of the Year and Rock Album of the Year for How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. They also won Best Rock Song for City. The city of blinding lights. And in the last tour, when they did City of Blinding Lights, that was such a beautiful scene with the, uh, the, the white poles all over the place and everything. That is such a great song. Uh, City of Blinding Lights, as well as Best Rock Performance by a Duo Group and Song of the Year for Sometimes You Can Make It On Your Own. That is what happened today in music 
history. Correct. What else do we have? Uh, to talk about. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, there, there is something about we have we have we have a saying in Spanish that's called equivocado, right? Oye, estás equivocado, chico, estás equivocado, and it's like you're mistaken. Now, it sounds a lot better in Spanish than it does in English when you say you're mistaken. Eh, you know, it's you're still correcting somebody or something, but. It's just a little bit more intimidating in Spanish when you say you're un equivocado. You know, like you are, you, you've got a lost sense of reality, basically, is what you're telling somebody in Spanish. Like you have no sense of who you really are, where you stand in life or things like that. And most Cubans would call Kyrie Irving un equivocado, a guy that has just this misconception of himself and who he is and what he means and all this bullshit. So Kyrie Irving now in Dallas, and so he was talking to the media. He says, for me personally, sitting in this seat today, I just know I want to be in a place where I'm celebrated, not just tolerated, or you just know, kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. There were times throughout this process when I was in Brooklyn where I felt disrespected. Well, how about how about not crapping on an entire religion, you asshole? How about that? How about not being such an irresponsible and just dumbass punk? How about that? Maybe, maybe they won't treat you, or in other words, maybe they won't just tolerate you. See, the problem is you want to be celebrated no matter what you do, but with what you do comes consequences. Look at LeBron James. Never did anything as stupid, as insulting or disrespectful like Kyrie Irving. He's way too smart for that. But he has carried himself in a non-professional way in other ways that were childish. Kyrie Irving is freaking ignorant. From flat earth to obviously liking a book that pretty much, you know, craps on the Jewish religion. Which, like, okay, so how do you, your, your owner's Jewish, dude. What do you expect? How do you expect people to treat you? Misconception. Un equivocado. That's what he is. Like I've told you, bro, many times over. I hope there's a day where he gets out of line with somebody on the court and they beat the crap out of him. Because for me, that's the kind of guy that needs a, a nice ass kicking. You know? Because maybe his punk ass will, like, wake up or something. It's it really is like, you know, you want to be celebrated, bro. Carry yourself the right way. Respect people. You've done and said a lot of stupid ass stuff. 
And that's why you're just tolerated. And by the way, they're not going to love you in Dallas. They're going to find ways to tolerate you because nobody can trust you. So you haven't been treated the way you wanted to be treated because you haven't earned it. We're going to treat Steph Curry that way. We're going to treat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that way. You know, we're going to treat certain people that way. We're going to treat Donovan Mitchell that way. But they've carried themselves differently. They don't go insulting races or religions or sexual, you know. And I'm not saying that he did that to every walk of life or anything, but we already have the case. And he said a lot of other ignorant stuff and retweeting uh, the, the Jones guy, which is like, that's disgusting. Seriously, dude, you're, 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 you're retweeting this guy from Infowars. Come on, man. So this is why you're just tolerated. Cause you're a freaking idiot, dude. You don't carry yourself the right way. Bam will have respect for the rest of his life because he carries himself the right way. It's really amazing to me. Uh, and then he goes, uh, he added, I left them in fourth place. I did what I was supposed to do. I took care of my teammates, was incredibly, incredibly selfless. It really like uh, leaving them and abandoning them during the uh, season because of your weak ass vaccine stance. Listen, if you can easily say it's not a big deal, then you can also say, well, I'll take it. It's not a big deal. If you don't believe in it or whatever, or what, so then just take it. It's a vaccine. What's it going to do to you? Nothing. We've been taking vaccines since we were kids. You couldn't go to school without a measles vaccine and without a, what was the other one that we had to have? There was like a couple that we had to have. Vaccines has been a part of our lives. Make it a big deal. That's not selfish. That's as selfish as it gets. And my approach to leading, I just want to do all the right things for myself, not to appease anybody. Well, then you're not a leader. <laughs> you're not a leader. Leaders work for everyone and themselves. But leaders are supposed to be working for everyone. It's the things you don't get. Kyrie Irving, un equivocado is what he is that's what he that's what he is God, just there's some things about some of these people that are just ridiculous man it really is uh yes Kyrie does have billion dollar talent and a three cent brain amen to that that is one of the most ignorant dumbass mofos I've ever seen in my life oh the Alex Jones retweet, and you think the air is flat, and you go and and he probably never really watched the movie or anything. And man, listen, everybody fights for their rights, right? You're fighting for the rights of some uh, forest that you don't want to be 
tear, tear torn down and destroy the wildlife and all that just because they want to build condos. You fight for that. You fight because you don't want a certain plant that is going to be emitting all kinds of smoke into the air and all that. And you protest and you might get arrested, you know, and you fight for the LGBT community, whether you are in the LGBT community or you have friends or family members and you want to go for for that protest you fight for black rights we fight we fight for blue rights we fight for whatever it is you name it we fight for it equality women's pay you know there's so many things that we fight for in life and i understand that and for Kyrie, i would understand that too and if maybe some issues in that book is covering some issues in the black community then god bless you bro then yeah back it up but you got to also understand the context of it. If it's also destroying an, another culture in place to talk about your cult, that that's that already tells you that's not a good scene. None of us should be trying to better one culture or one religion while tearing down another. That's disgusting. Hey, are we going to be about human beings? Because human beings come in all shapes, sizes, colors, sexes, uh, sexual orientations, whatever it is. You can't control what people want to be or how they feel or where they come from or what, what religion they practice or all those kind of things, but you should respect it. And then if you're going to like something, make sure it's not something that is insulting another religion, another, another race, another sex. I, I, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. We don't tear down each other to better ourselves. That's just not the way we do it, okay? We help each other so we all rise together. And that's the part that obviously Kyrie and many other people don't understand because they refuse to see people for who they are and what they've been through. And especially, if anything, a black man should be relating more to a Jewish person than anyone else. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Those are two cultures that have been absolutely decimated and, and mistreated forever, dude. They should relate more than anything else. And here's Kyrie Irving being an asshole and, you know, creating more problems. So, and then the, the ignorant stance you take behind it, which is, just doesn't help. I don't get it, man. So, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I think Big O with uh equivocado with uh, tanner connor but only time will tell i mean tanner connor is young bro raw we have no idea what that guy does he's just a speedster we'll find out this coming year if he can actually you know develop into anything but that's something that didn't really cost you a draft pick or anything like that from what i remember right he's just like a, a project that they picked up so we'll see um Tua has been a natural right-hander but taught to throw left-hander but not taught to fall as a left-hander does that uh lend any credence no no Tua's got to just learn how to get rid of the goddamn ball quickly bro that's all it is there's nothing to do with left or right it has to do with this right here stop thinking that you're Josh Allen 
or Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson or uh, Jalen Hurts or or uh, Justin Fields, you can't run. You're not those guys. And that's it. And the faster he starts to realize that he's a statue back there, so he needs to just make quick decisions. Buy himself some time by moving a step over or a step back or slide back or forward and get rid of the ball. That buys you a millisecond, the same thing Marino or Peyton or Brady or Breeze would do. He can be just like those guys. He can be a Hall of Famer. He can have a great career. He can do the same thing. Those guys weren't running around buying time. They just found somebody quickly and made a decision. That's what he's got to do. The decision's not there. Throw it away and live for the next play. Why? Because they're all smart enough to make plays and beat you from the pocket. And when you're smart enough and you can read defenses, you'll be able to beat anybody from the pocket. That's just the truth. Uh, Devin again. Thank you, sir. Oh, would you replace Lowry with Westbrook? That won't do anything. Another another guy that can't shoot threes in a three-point league. That's what I've been talking about, Devin. I love the Heat organization. They're fantastic, but they've made a lot of bad decisions lately. And you're in a three-point shooting league, and you keep building teams with players that can't shoot threes. Kyle Lowry, Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. That shit don't fly. That's why you're not going to win a championship. That's why you're not going to challenge. You can kill yourself and play defense and all that, but you can't shoot. And this is a shooting league. This is a team that was built for the 90s, not the 2020s. So Russell Westbrook does nothing for you. He hasn't been efficient ever in his life, and he can't ever shoot threes. This team needs to be able to spread things out, and they cannot. So their bigger problem is that they they don't have the right stars. You can only have one of those three guys on your team. Why do you think I keep saying trade Butler and obviously got to get rid of Lowry? Because you can't have Bam with another guy that can't shoot threes. Now, you can have Bam because he's awesome, and he does everything, and he's taking that next step forward now, but Bam needs to be surrounded by guys that can shoot. You know, it's what Van Gundy did with um, Dwight Howard. It's what Miami did with LeBron and Wade, that they went and got Battier and they got Ray Allen and, and they made Bosch improve his threes. And so they had more guys that can shoot threes because you have to be able to spread it out. Shaq had a few three-point shooters too that he could count on. Enzo, because those guys weren't going to fill it, and neither was Dwayne. But you needed other guys to hit some shots, and they had some guys. You gotta have, you gotta have more, more offense, man. That's the problem with Miami. Why do you think I'm saying tonight? I there's no way I can lay the six and a half because I can't trust them. Uh, Frankie Fresco says, "Oh, thank you for the love in the super chat, Frankie. Uh, would Mike McDaniel be on a short leash if we don't make the playoffs this upcoming season? Depends." Excuse me, but I don't think that they'll fire him because it's only year two. But um, it won't be a good look. Okay? It won't be a good look. All right. We are out of here. We thank Omar Kelly, Ira Winderman, Kurt Heelan, and uh, and Eric Edholm. Uh, we will get Matt Verderam either tomorrow or Friday, so we'll work on that. 
Uh, we thank Sean Stanley, of course, who masters this program every single day. We will see you tomorrow. Same time, same place, same bat channel. Have a great one. Get me back. There we go. Hey, I hope you haven't left yet. I hope you haven't left yet. Okay. Because I got some news for you. Is this like coming through the credits? Um, yeah, this is like coming through the credits. Exactly. So see, you got to hang on all the way to the end of the show here. Okay. All right. So, um, wait a minute. I just want to make sure here, cause this is, uh, want to make sure. All right. Um, Apparently, the players were not a big fan of the new offensive line coach for the Miami Dolphins. I just want you to know because I, I, uh, I had to reach out, and I'm waiting for Benjamin, but I, I got somebody else, and okay, now I got one from Benjamin. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's an idiot. He got fired mid-season for incompetence. Never spoke to him, but the players hated him. Openly laughed at him and called him a joke. When Hackett was fired, the first thing interim head coach Jerry Rosenberg did was fire him, and the players applauded it when it was announced at the team meeting. is the kind of insight you're not going to get anywhere, by the way. So, wow. This uh, hire did not, uh, is not going over well with the, uh, with the insiders that I know, Butch Bear. And let me tell you, Ben Albright is well-connected. So he's an idiot. He got fired mid-season for incompetence. I never spoke to him, but the players hated him, openly laughed at him and called him a joke. When Hackett was fired, the first thing interim head coach Jerry Rosenberg did was fire him, and the players applauded when it was announced at the team meeting. That's <laughs> So just in case, if you were asking and wondering about Butch Berry, the reviews are in, and the reviews are not good. Okay, I think now I'm done. I think we've left you with a bomb. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow. Same time, same place, same bat channel. Have a good one.